There we go. Hi, everyone. Very special video podcast interview, um, and it's the first of its kind. So um, I hope you all be gentle with me. But my first guest on this podcast is a lovely lady, and um, I am absolutely thrilled to have her. And um, we've been in contact for some time, and she has such a fascinating story um, that I think can be of benefit to most people. I think most people can learn from what she has to say. And from her journey through trauma, um, through developing techniques to help release that trauma, to developing uh, a form of enlightenment, and has certainly taught me a few things through our correspondence. So welcome to the podcast, Anne Hintz. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> so what I'd just like to start with, um, Anne, if that's okay, I just want to um, for you to talk as much as you're comfortable with, because I'm sure you could just read off a script by now, just about your your early life, your, your childhood, and kind of what's led you up to the point of um, seeking help for the traumas that you um, went through through your early life just whatever you're, you're comfortable with, because I think that um, people need to understand where you've come from um, and how you've came along in your journey to developing and releasing those traumas that you have um, experienced within your, your early childhood to potentially later on in life. Um, as I think it, it, it can really inspire people and really let people know that they're not on their own. And there are other people who have went through this and who have successfully released that trauma and have made a life for themselves and are now not only made a life for themselves, but now giving advice and sharing what they have learned with others. So I think your story is such incredibly important. So just whenever you're ready. Sure. Yeah. Um, I grew up, I was actually adopted into a family. So there was a, that was kind of my first trauma. Actually, my first trauma was probably being born with my right foot up against my right shin. So I had physical therapy for the first six weeks. And then I was adopted into a family who had already had an adopted son. And then they adopted a daughter and the birth mother changed her mind at six months. So the daughter was taken away and I was the replacement. So yeah, that created some... Um, trauma in me to begin with which obviously I didn't realize until many many years later and we moved around the world I by the time I was 16 I had lived on four continents in five different countries so that was nice that was that was a good part of my childhood but you, both could parents us, could you give us an idea could you let us know what what places that you which that countries was, yeah <laughs> sure and um, we moved to Barbados when I was six months old and then we moved to Sierra Leone in West Africa when I was two or three. We lived there for two or three years. And then, then we went back to England and then back. We moved to Hong Kong for a few years. While we lived in Hong Kong, after a couple of years, I was sent to boarding school in England. So at age nine, I was sent to boarding school way across the world. And I was sent to a boys boarding school because my brother was there. So I was the first girl boarder at this boys' school. There were some day girls, but they went home at the end of the day and I was teased mercilessly. It was a really, really awful time. And then two years later, I went to a girls' boarding school. And meanwhile, my parents moved back from Hong Kong and then we moved to Bahrain in the Persian Gulf. And um, I was still at boarding school, so I went back and forth during vacations. And then, you know, 
both my parents became alcoholic. They started to drink more and more. And uh, it was really hell. Those teenage years was really hell. Um, my dad would drink from the soon as the pub opened until it closed and then come home and um, you know, fall asleep or drink more. Where yeah. was this, Did you have a where was, where was at the time that your father had developed alcoholism? Where where were you living, or was he living in a different country from you? Um, mostly in England. He, he right. at that point he did go back and forth. He worked in Saudi Arabia, but because that wasn't a good place for women to be, we stayed at home in England. But he would come back for six months at a time, so he would be drinking, and then my mum would start drinking when he got home from the pub, and she would drink a bottle of sherry a day. So it was really very difficult. My dad had anger issues. So um, we were always walking on eggshells. He didn't like loud noises. He didn't like anyone else's opinions. So there was, that's where a lot of that trauma got stored. And then one day when I was 19, he was in Saudi Arabia at the time. Um, we had been told six months prior that our mom had cancer. She had throat and lung cancer from smoking and drinking. And we only talked about it that one day. That's it. We mentioned it one day. We never talked about it again. And then one day when I was 19, I woke up one morning and found her dead on the bathroom floor. And there was no one else in the house at the time. So I had to, uh, you know, get hold of people and deal with that. It, it certainly sounds like um, you've had a, a very chaotic childhood. What sticks out to me there is it must have been so disorientating for you, you know, because I think everybody knows when they go on holiday, everything's new, or even if maybe if you're staying for a short stay somewhere, you have to get used to the culture, get used to the language, get used to the customs. You were a young child growing up, trying to find your identity. Um, maybe you've moved to one place and maybe you're just settling in, thinking about maybe developing friends or meeting friends, and maybe you're uprooted in and they completely, completely different culture, somewhere far flung across the world. For me, that must have been very disorientating and very, um, you mustn't have settled and mustn't have been able to, to make friends on top of all of the other issues that you had. Well, I could make friends, but they didn't last, right? You only made friends for a year or two and then it was gone, right? We didn't have social media back then. There was no way to keep in touch with them. So they were gone. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why we were sent to boarding school um, to have some form of stability Although, you know, that in itself is a trauma to be away from home and away from everybody you know. So, yeah. Okay, so that, that uh, top of all that, finding your mother dead um, on the bathroom floor, I, I, I really can't imagine. Um, I guess either you must have had one, of two, one or two responses. You, you break down immediately in, in, in absolute tears or you somehow... Um, go within yourself and Tansy bottle in emotions up yeah well I pretty much went into shock that's that's for sure <laughs> um and I, I just didn't know what to do we, we never talked about emotions we never talked about anything of depth in childhood so I had no idea what to do with it so I just life just went on and it was really strange to have life go on when something major like that had happened but but life does go on yeah, you know, and now I know how to deal with it differently, but yeah, didn't but know you, what to do back. But you were nineteen at the time, with with no um, potentially no one to fall back on. Was there any relations or any other family that you know you could have?
turn to in, in this in this situation and the, this grief that, that that you felt? How did you overcome that? You know, from from being a a nineteen year old on their own, looking at the death of her mother and trying to find their way in the world. You know, Tessie going, well, now I need to get a job and get a, a house or whatever on my own. Things that got there. Yeah, I was in university at the time, but I was at home on a work um, doing a six months in industry. So I, I had that to go back to, but I was, yeah, it was, it was just all messed up. There wasn't really anyone. We didn't know anyone because we had not really lived there. So we didn't, we didn't have any neighbors that I knew. My brother was around. He was not home that night. He was staying in his girlfriend's house and I had never met her. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know where he was. Um, but I called his work and they went and found him and, and brought him back. And I called my dad. He came back from Saudi Arabia a, week, a few days or so later. So we got through it. But my dad, the first thing he wanted to do is get everything that belonged to my mother out of the house. So we had to get rid of all of her things, all the photos, everything he wanted out of the house straight away. So it was a really kind of strange time. I think people go through that differently. Um, I don't think a lot of husbands do that when their wives die. A lot of them want to keep things around, but for some reason he didn't. Okay, so even more trauma then for you, for you to deal with potentially in your, in your later life. So just fast forward then to whatever point that you, you feel comfortable talking about. Um, sure. So I, I finished university and I came, moved straight out to the States because my dad wanted me to stay home and be the housekeeper. I wasn't going to do that. So I moved out to the States and I worked as a software engineer and got married and had kids. And it wasn't until that point I had some kind of, it was like a business altercation with a couple of other mothers at school. I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong, but they thought I'd done something wrong. And my mind just, just kept going around and around in circles and I couldn't sleep for days. And I realized this isn't normal. Most people don't do this. So that was when I really realized it was something, must be something from my childhood that I hadn't dealt with that was making me do this. Cause I was really reactionary. I was still really fearful. And now I have two young boys and it's, you know, they're getting older. They're getting to the age that I was when I went to the boarding school and had to experience what boys of nine to 11 are like. So I knew I had a lot of work to do. And so around this time, I went to a doctor's appointment. I don't remember why I went there, but he recognized that I was really very stressed. And so he asked me on a scale of zero to 10 what I was, and it was an eight. And then he asked me why that was. And I knew at that point, it was because of finding my mother two decades earlier, because the tears were still there just under the surface. They hadn't gone anywhere. And that, that was my first realization that those memories, that stuck energy, it's just stored in our body. And then he worked with me with this technique that's called EFT, it's called emotional freedom technique. He worked with me for about 15 minutes and I walked away being able to tell the story in my mind without those tears anymore. So that was the first step for me. That's when I realized I could do something about this. Wow. Wow. And so for, from then on then, did you, uh, I think I read that you, you obviously didn't go to a practitioner. Did you 
started looking into the EFT yourself as to how that you could develop it and, and utilize it yourself without going to a practitioner. Um, so what, what then would have been the next step then for you? At what point did you start utilizing this on an everyday basis? I had to check that it worked. I, I have an engineering background. I wanted to know that that wasn't a fluke. <laughs> so I had a 17 year old cat at home and we were told he needed daily saline shots. And the first time I gave my shot, my hand was just shaking uncontrollably. I was so scared of doing that. And so I thought, oh gosh, this is gonna be a good test case. So I tapped, so it's also called tapping. EFT is called tapping because we're tapping on places in the body as we're talking through something. So I tapped about my fear of giving him the injection, my fear of hurting him or slipping, my history around injections, because I had a lot of injections because I've been to all these different countries. So the next day, when I gave him the shot, the needle just slid right in and my hand was totally calm, 100% different from the day before. So that's when I realized that this technique is deceptively powerful. And it's kind of weird, it looks strange, doesn't look like it's really doing much, but boy, that was such a huge shift. So, okay, so I started doing it. The, the person who developed it, Gary Craig, he's also, he was a chemical engineer and he gave the technique away for free. So it was really nice. So I could find the little booklet on how to do it. He had videos on YouTube on how to do it. And so I just taught myself to do it. And I started, I started, it took a while, but I started to recognize during the day when I was emotional, right? And to begin with, maybe once a day, I would recognize it and be able to actually stop and tap. And as we do more and more, it becomes easier and easier to, to recognize that. And so I just started doing it during the day. I'd start, I'd notice I was emotional. I would tap, I would relax, and then I'd go on with my day. And I noticed my mind becoming quiet, which was so nice. Wow. But I wanted more. <laughs> I, I think I'm a little bit like you in that way. I really wanted more. So I knew you could actually write down. So I wrote down all my emotional memories from childhood everything that I could remember. And I tapped through them one each day for about an hour to an hour and a half each night. And I just found my mind becoming quieter and more peaceful. And I was looking for that peace. And um, it was amazing. Wow. Um, now, obviously, I, I know a bit about EFT. Um, one of my previous guests um, is a very um, big practitioner um on it um Offit has been doing it for so many years and i know that um, i think they held was it the 21st summit there recently with nick order i think um but just for anyone who obviously doesn't know about eft um it sounds to be this amazing technique in which you can release a lot of trauma a lot of emotional baggage you just explain to anyone watching this here exactly what it is and how it works and where, where, where it actually originated to, to your knowledge? Yes, it's a little bit like acupressure because we're tapping on the ends of meridian systems. And as we're doing that, it's, it's kind of disrupting the normal pattern in our nervous system. And it's letting that stuck energy of those emotions dissipate out of the body. So what we're doing is we're tapping on different points. So the first point we start tapping on is the karate chop point on the side of the hands. And we're tapping firm enough that we're making a difference, but not, we don't want to be gentle. We want to be firm, but we don't want to hurt ourselves. 
So somewhere in the middle. And we're tabbing, as we say an opening statement, we, we talk about what we're going to be working on. And my statement's a little bit different from the original one. So I might say something like, even though my dad was shouting at me, that's my truth in this moment. And it's okay that I think that. And then we say that three times, even though my dad's shouting at me, that's my truth at the moment. And it's okay that I say that, even though my dad was shouting at me, that's my truth in this moment. It's okay that I say that. And then we move on to the next point. So the next point is the crown point on the top of the head. And I would just say the words, I'd shorten it down and just say what it actually was. My dad was shouting at me as I'm tapping. The next point is the beginning of the eyebrow. My dad was shouting at me. The edge of the eye, the bone on the edge of the eye, my dad was shouting at me. The bone under the eye, my dad was shouting at me. On the upper lip, my dad was shouting at me. On the chin, my dad was shouting at me. The collarbone, my dad was shouting at me. And then about four inches under the arm, my dad was shouting at me. I take a deep breath, I let it go. And then I see how that feels again. And the great thing about EFT is it gives you feedback. So you know if it's working. So there's obvious changes, like the, the tone of your voice will change as you're saying something, right? You might be really emotional to begin with. You might be you know, ready to cry or really angry, but as you say it, as the energy dissipates, your voice will change. But also some people will yawn, some people will burp. Tears are always a release of resistance. And some people get really tired or take a big sigh. And all of those are evidence, which I really like to you know that engineering background again, I like to know it's working. So the evidence that it's actually, the energy is actually releasing out of the body. So we do it over and over again. And as you do, you were opening up the subconscious mind. So with my mother, you know, I, I tapped with the doctor the first time on the outer layers of the story, like the, the big parts of the story and let go the big tears, right? the big emotions. But I did have to come back to it again and again to work on the smaller aspects, the more details. So with a story like that, I would start at the beginning of the story. I, you know, I woke up and I would tap as I'm doing this. I woke up to a quiet house and that in itself was scary because my mother always had the radio playing when I woke up in the morning. So that's a part of the story that I didn't have the first time I told the story, but it, it opened up from my subconscious mind as I did more tapping. So then I would talk through the whole story and tap through it, especially on the emotional parts, and then come back to the beginning again and tell the story again. And I do it again and again until it gets to the point where it just sounds like I'm reading from a storybook. There's no emotion left in it anymore. And at that point, you know that you have released that tension from the body. Wow. And obviously you've been a practitioner of this for so many years. And I know that um, from reading your book and listening to your previous interviews is that this just isn't a, a, a simple uh, one week, one month, one year um, process for anyone, especially like yourself and many people out there who have deeply held um, subconscious trauma. Um, and you've described it like peeling the layers away from an onion um, that you shade these outer layers and think that everything, I guess, is fine until you find within yourself that oh, I'm actually not quite fine. I feel that there's more deeply held trauma within myself. Could you speak to that a bit? Yeah, it is. It's, it's peeling back the layers. And as I said, you're opening up the subconscious mind. And as you do that, as you release a layer, it relaxes. And then the next layer pops up. So a memory might pop up 
that you couldn't remember before because it was stuck in the subconscious. But then it pops up and then that's your next layer to work on. Yeah, so as I kept going, I realized it, that it's, it's expanding the awareness as well, right? So when I started this, I wasn't aware of how I felt. If someone asked me how I felt today, how are you feeling today, Anne? I'm fine, I was always fine because I didn't know how I felt. But I had started to become aware of how I was really feeling. So that's the first layer is the emotional layer, but underneath every emotion is a set of physical sensations. So underneath frustration, you might be feeling tension in the solar plexus or the stomach or the chest or the jaw, and we call it frustration. But when we do, we dissociate from those feelings. So what we're doing is we're reversing that process. So I started to become aware of those physical sensations underneath, which is a deeper level of awareness. Yeah. So, you know, with my story with my mom, I, I knew what happened to begin with. Right? I knew the, the events of what happened during the day. And then I started to become aware of the emotions that I was feeling during that event. And then I became of the physical sensations of that tension I was holding in myself during that. And those arose over a period of time. And then I would have to work with them or I would work with them. I'd feel them and let them go. And then that opens up the next layer. I kind of talk of it like a, it's like a rope that's bent over, right? You cut one strand of it and then tension is taken up by the next strands. Then you've got more things to work with. Let go of those, and then there's a layer underneath, and that's that's what we're doing. It it it, it is. It's an amazing um, hearing you talk about that because it is something that I can relate to too. Um, and I think this is a problem with society in general. Is that we we don't um, we don't associate. We just we just as you say, give off an emotion. Just say I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling frustrated. Whether it actually taking the time to actually say, well, where is that coming from? Where why do I feel like that? You know, what, what is that feeling? And where is that feeling being stored within my body? And most people just seem to be um, displaying those emotions or um, utilizing those emotions without actually taking the time to, to do the inner work, to actually sit down and discover why, why, but what, what does that mean? Why do I feel like that? Or that emotion that I've given a name to, what, what does that feel or where does that feel within my body? So it's something that I can very, very relate to. Um, and so you've done this for uh, a number of years and I know, sorry, I'm jumping forward that, um, that you complemented this with a few other techniques on top of that. Well, after I had done enough EFT, I realized I actually didn't need to do that anymore. Once I was aware of the physical sensations, I could tap on them, right? I could tap on some of the wording would be something like, even though I feel this frustration in my solar plexus, right? And then we're focusing on that tension in the solar plexus, which will release and that will release it. But I didn't feel like I needed that. And I'd been to a group at the time and this guy in the group said, it's not about meditation. You don't have to meditate. It's all about feeling your feelings. But I didn't know what he meant when he first said that because I, I was just starting on this tapping journey. But you know, down the road a few months and he said it every week, I thought, okay, I'm gonna try and do what he says because now I know where my feelings are. So I would stop, I would be at the kitchen sink doing the dishes and I would notice I was feeling something or I'd think a thought that had emotions attached to it. And I would feel where they were in my body 
and I would just try and feel them, but, but they would kind of squirm away. I couldn't keep my focused attention on them. So I realized I actually had to hold myself like a statue. I had to actually stop breathing, not take a deep breath. But when I could feel those, that tension, I would stop breathing right there. And by this point, I was actually better at, my, my breath was better. It, it gets better with this process because we're letting the tension go. So we can actually breathe better. So I would hold my tension on, my awareness on this tension until it shifted, until it let go. And then I would think the thought again, does it have the same emotion? Where, where is that motion now? Is it shifted? Has it gone somewhere else? Because sometimes it would move. And then I would do the same thing, hold my awareness on it for long enough, just talk to it. I'm not trying to change it in any way. I'm just accepting it because it's not being accepted. It's being suppressed. So when I would feel it, it would shift and it would let go. And I would do that over and over again until that thought became free from the emotions. And then I would go on with the dishes until something else came up. And um, yeah, it took a long time. It was, I was, it was dedicated work, but I could feel the benefits. So it's what I wanted to do. And I started doing it at night. Instead of tapping for that hour to an hour and a half every night, I would lie on the sofa and I would bring a thought to mind that had emotions. And at this point, you know, maybe it was the collective traumas. Maybe it was something like um, the Loma Prieta earthquake I was in, um, in 1989, the year after I moved out here. So it was a big deal to be in that for me because I, I didn't know if it was a big earthquake or if it was a little earthquake. Turns out it was a really pretty big earthquake. Um, so I had a lot of um, memories and emotions to deal with around that. And 9-11 and just feel them until there was a shift, let it go. Do it again and again and again. And it was at some point during this process that I recognized that I could actually keep my awareness inside my body after the tension had gone. And the only way I can kind of describe this, and I don't even know if it's a good way, but it's the best way I've got, is that if you've got a toothache or a stomach ache, you can focus, you, can, you know where that is coming from. But once it's gone, you can't tell, you can't put your awareness back on that place again, because it's gone. And I found that I could, I could put my awareness inside of my body. And this, this kind of felt like in the next level, the next layer or next part of the journey. And I didn't know what I was doing because I'd never heard, I did, I did a lot of research at the time, but I'd never heard anyone else doing this. So I, I felt like I was at new ground at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, absolutely fascinating and from then on it has just been a voyage of self-discovery I think with yourself um, I know in your book that you you mentioned about breathing breathing out as well on top of your your EFT and putting this awareness into your body and um, I can't pronounce the name of that Hawaiian technique as well Ho'oponopono yes <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I do believe that can work the thing I've realized about EFT and why that's so beneficial to begin with is because of the physical component that we're actually tapping physically on the body, which I think is necessary maybe until you get to the point, or at least until I needed it until I could get to the point that I could feel those sensations because early on, I couldn't have done that. Like I could not have felt those feelings. I think so yeah, it has been. Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to continue with my story. Yeah, go ahead. 
okay. So when I realized I could put my awareness inside, I started to play with it. I started to move my awareness around inside my, my abdomen is where I worked first. And I would notice it kind of felt like a void until it wasn't, until there was tension there. And then I would do the same thing. I would focus on the tension and hold my awareness there until it released. And then I would do it again and again and again. So the same thing that I did with the physical sensations and with EFT, but now at a deeper level inside the body. And at some point I had, when I was doing this in my lower right abdomen, I recognize this is a little deeper than I normally talk about. So just so you know, <laughs> I recognized that there felt like there was a void where I was moving my awareness. It felt like I was kind of skipping over something. And one time I thought, okay, I'm going to actually hold my awareness on this place that feels like I'm skipping over. And I did, I held my awareness there. I realized it felt like a black hole. Um, I held my awareness there. And then there's all this tension that had been hidden for 50 years from my foot being up against my shin, all that tension opened up to my awareness. And it had been there all these decades. I had just not known about it. I had held it back and that's why it it felt like a void. It's like I had had resistance to it and I was actually now putting my awareness on that resistance and letting it, just letting it open up. This, um, this, 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 I'm sure anyone watching this here will um, be extremely interested in sound um, or think to themselves, wow, this sounds like a dream. This is exactly what I want. Um, and I know that we, you do have a book out that we're, we're going to discuss here. Um, but I guess for anyone getting into this here, um, as you stress, first of all, that the most important part of the beginning part of this is, is EFT. Finding yourself some good EFT videos and um, as you turned around and said that there are so many practitioners out there who have chopped and changed and modified it. Um, and you also mentioned that, especially in, in the, um, and I know that you're a, a big um, law of attraction practitioner, and I think within the spiritual community and within the law of attraction community, there is a massive focus just on the positive aspects of, of this here. And people just don't want to do the sort of shadow inner work the come to terms with the, uh, the, the, the trauma and stuff like that. So could you just maybe elaborate on that there and why you um, feel that that is, is very important to do the, the, the potentially negative work uh, to change your signal, which we'll sort of get to. And it's not just all focusing on the positive. Right. So from now that I can actually get inside my body, I know that what's stored in there is the tension and once we let the tension go, underneath the positive is already there. The light is already there underneath the negative. So all we need to find is the negative, the tension, the darkness, and let it go. And so when we're trying to think positively, right, when we're trying, so that word try, whenever we're trying to do something, we're actually suppressing what we're actually feeling or thinking in the moment. And we're not accepting it. Whereas this work, what I, what I recognize is the most important thing is actually working on what we're feeling right now and accepting it and letting it go. And that is, you know, if we're feeling, if we're not feeling great, if, it's the, if we're feeling something that's negative, that's what we want to let go. Mm-hmm. 
and then underneath the positive just arise. It's it's really weird to kind of say that, you know, if I had heard that 10, 15 years ago, I might not have believed it, but to actually experience it is pretty amazing, right? To do enough tapping over someone, over something that has happened and to let that go fully and then to experience compassion and understanding arise just because you've let that go. It's an amazing experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, as I said, it, it's not easy work. Uh, you know that, and I know that. Um, a lot of people, um, it's hard. It's hard to work on yourself. It's, it's, it's the most hardest thing to do. And to, to face those traumas, to face those fears, to face those hidden memories. So I think, um, as you rightly say there, a very important part of this here is dealing with the negative side of it. It's just not all um, roses and um, bright sunny days. Um, like a lot of uh, law of attraction practitioners, a lot of EFT practitioners will teach about. So it is vitally very, very important, I think, to, to deal with those emotions. Um, and I think we can kind of run away from those rather than face them and um, I'll de deal with them another day, I'll, I'll, I'll put it off. I've certainly done that myself. Um, but again, it, I think for me anyway, and I'm sure you'll agree with this here, like it, it just resurfaces again and again and again. And this is why we can't run away from this forever. We have to sit down and get in touch with these negative, so-called negative feelings. Um, so, just kind of continuing on then with, with your journey. Um, so you've you've developed this uh, ability to, to look inside yourself to to, to put your focus um, on one point of your body. What then was the the, the next step for you? Um, just before we get on to your book. Yeah, I had to I had to work a while in my body before I could actually put my awareness in my head. And it was interesting because every time I did release something, I would actually release something in my head and neck at the same time. It, that was always part of the journey. Even if I was focusing down somewhere in my leg or something, it always also released in my neck. But once I was able to put my awareness in my head, kind of things shifted a little bit. I actually think that the skull is, is the holy land. So actually being able to get in here, it, it takes some work. And I started, I kept going. I started putting my awareness on the tension and there was so much tension in my head and my face. Unbelievable, the amount of pain and tension that had been in my head that I had no idea was there, right? Because that scoliosis and so my whole body was talked and just the forces are really out of this world. I will never be able to tell someone or explain to someone how much those forces were. And so how much out of alignment I was. And so then I would work, I would hold my awareness on some pain or tension, allow it to release, do it again and again. And at some point I actually heard and felt something rip. It actually sounded like old fabric ripping. And I, again, I researched it and I came to the realization that I was hearing the connective tissue release. And so you know, it's the first time I did that, I was a little concerned. It's like, am I hurting myself? Of course, I've never heard of anyone else doing this again. But I knew it was just part of the story, a part of my journey. It, I seemed to have been shown the way at each stage. So I just kept going. And, you know, I would just release more and more. And I felt the bones relax at some points and felt what they would be relaxed in the relaxed state if I was able to hold that relaxation. So then I would just do more and more and, and then they would shift. And so, you know, at this point, 
I have some x-rays from 2013 and from last year that shows really the physical bones, the changes that really have taken place. So my neck has straightened, my jaw was way off to the side and it's now much more in the middle, which is really nice. My eye sockets were out of alignment and they have shifted more into alignment. And I have grown half an inch as a 55 year old, which is pretty cool. Wow. I, are these images, I, I do think they're available on your website, aren't they? They are, yeah, and my YouTube channel, yes. They're available on YouTube. I hadn't had the time to check out your YouTube, but um, that's another fabulous resource for people to look into. I will be posting the links on, um, obviously, the introduction to this podcast and wherever else I publish this. Um, so I guess um, you've, you've developed this here, and it, it, it all sounds pretty amazing. Um even up to the point where um, we'll just get back to tapping just for a little bit, um, because I realize obviously that um, you can use this tapping on other people. And um, I was listening to one of your um, interviews there where the, the story of the, the child on the plane. You want me to share that? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, thought it was brilliant, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, we were taking off in an airplane and there was a, a mother with her child in her arms and he was screaming. And you know how other people on a plane do not like that. <laughs> so we got to altitude and he was still screaming. So I asked the husband to swap places with me and he was willing. And then I asked her if it was okay if I tapped gently on her son. And I did. And I just tapped on the places and uh, just like two or three rounds and he fell asleep in his mother's arms. Wow. And you know, some of the other passengers clapped because everyone was so happy. <laughs> but yeah, he was feeling it, right? He was in the, in the emotion. So I didn't need to say any words. I just tapped on the points. And so if you're feeling, right, if you're caught up in some emotion or some traumatic event, all you need to do is tap on those places, those points, and it will release the tension and calm you down. And I also did it with my son when he would have a nightmares. I would just go up and tap on him. And then he would just, he would say, it's like, okay, mom, I can go back to sleep now. And, and he did. Wow. That, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there because um, I just want people to know um, that it's not just yourself that you can do the work on. It, it's other people. But if you know and understand how tapping works and there's someone that you know um, close to you or related to you or someone just a need that you can actually utilize this technique on them and sales uh, themselves it's not just yourself but what if what if there potentially um uh, isn't someone about or maybe um if you're tapping for um someone who um has potentially hurt you in the past um and you would like to you know get that sort of clear to get that um tension release there i know that you've mentioned um i think it was you that developed this and um, did you visualize this person in your mind and you imagine that you start tapping on that person and having a conversation with them right i call it air tapping yeah so we just imagine the person is sitting on our lap in front of us and we tap on their on their points like a virtual point uh, person and we tell them exactly what we want to say or the words that we had in our minds, but we never actually said to them, right? Our full truth, because those words are still inside of us, 
right? So we want to let the energy of those words go. So if we're really annoyed with someone, we can show how annoyed we are. We can tell them exactly how annoyed we are. We can use the words that we're using in our mind. That's what we want to do. And we can let that energy go. And it's really useful because the words we use when we're saying to someone else outside of us, they're different from the words I would be used using if I was tapping on myself about how frustrated I am with this person, right? It's useful to do both. Like I can work on my frustration by tapping, but, but if I can tell them what I think, that's really beneficial. People really seem to get a lot out of that. And that was something that you came up with yourself? I don't know, I actually, well, yes. I mean, I guess so. I don't know. I haven't looked to see if anyone else does it. Maybe you should It's just something I, <laughs> No, I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this to share the information. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you, you've developed all these techniques. You started off with tapping and you expanded that and you developed our tapping and then you developed this insight um, right up to the point where you were able to actually make physical changes within your body to realign your skull and your jaws, which is absolutely incredible. So then um, at some point you decided to to collate all this information into a book. What point was that? It was once I had developed what I call insight. I believe it's the original meaning of the word insight. I'm actually just looking inside. It's inward sight. It, it, I'm pretty sure it's the original meaning of the word. We'll see. Um, but it was at that point because I realized, I recognized that the further I went on, I would forget the details of the journey. And it's an amazing journey. You know, nothing feels better than releasing old tension. So there was nothing I would rather do on this journey. And I know other people can do it too. I'd love other people to do it too. Because there's so much more to life at this point, right? That, that phrase, as within, so without, is so true, right? The more we know ourselves on the outside, on the inside, the more we know other people, the more we can see things replaying, we can see the energy in things, we can see tension in other people, we can see from different perspectives, right? My, my neck will move in all sorts of different um, orientations than it ever would in the past because I have let go of so much tension. So I can see from different physical perspectives and different mental perspectives or whatever the other, the other word would be, the outside area so there's there's just so much more to life and I think we have a lot of people these days who you know depressed or they don't see any future there is so much more to life that we can we can find yeah absolutely and you called it a path to insight and it's available on Amazon and it's available in paperback or Kindle version um, I got the Kindle version and as I said it's 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 very enlightening um, so I just want to talk a bit about your book because I, I did make some notes and um, you mentioned here in one of the very first parts that um, you believe that you can actually relax your way to enlightenment. Enlightenment doesn't have to, to be something that you have to take yourself off into the Himalayas and live as this Trappist monk um, and, and solitary thing that it can actually just be achieved by simply learning to relax and utilizing the techniques that you have outlined in this book. Could you talk a bit about that? Sure. I'm, each step along the way, we're just relaxing at a deeper and deeper level. So even like lying in bed at night and relaxing the body, relax, you, can, you can relax more than you think you can relax. I remember at the beginning of, the, of my journey, 
I would consciously relax each part of my body and then relax it further and further and further. And I realized I could relax further. Part of my journey along with that part is um, Abraham Hicks used to say, she used to say, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you feel really good before thought comes in. Well, I never felt good in the morning, ever. <laughs> so I wanted to know what it was that she knew that I didn't. Like, what am I doing wrong? And I realized it's like, I'm not ever relaxed. So I realized that I could relax. And then each of these steps relaxes you at a deeper and deeper level. And I also know what I believe the path, it's a pathway to enlightenment. It's, it's yeah, maybe there are some people who get this straight away. In my experience, it's a pathway to enlightenment. And part of that pathway is releasing the burden that we've been carrying because we feel lighter. We don't feel as heavy or burdened. We start to feel lighter as we let go of this tension stored inside of us. But it's also enlightenment from the, the light darkness aspect, right? Because now I can sense inside. So once I've let go of tension inside, I can see that underneath it's light and it was dark. So there's those two aspects to enlightenment and it's, yeah, it's just deeper and deeper relaxation. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just take a, a quick look at some of these, um, these tensions that you um, are talking about. You've compared them um, to uh, like guitar strings, is not that correct? like a, a guitar string that is too tightly strung. And if you're not releasing this tension, then it builds up over time. And just like a guitar string that is too tight, plays out of tune. But only obviously in our physical bodies, then it causes physical damage or it causes dis-ease within ourself. So could you just elaborate potentially on that? What causes that, that guitar string to be too tight or high trauma um, turns into physical ailments, disease. Yeah, so I do talk about us being like a guitar. So I'm, I'm talking more about the law of attraction type here and that we are a signal. And the biggest part of our signal, I believe, is that tension stored inside in our connective tissue. I know I said I, how much amazing force is in my head. So right, if we have this connective tissue inside of us that's being held tight like the string on a guitar then we're not emitting a good signal right it's a it's a signal that's off tune and i believe that is stored in childhood when we something happens something traumatic and it doesn't have to be a big thing it can be a really small thing but we're not allowed to be our true selves so we don't express ourselves. And in that process of not expressing ourselves, we're actually holding our facial expression. We're holding something back in our face, which is tightening that connective tissue. And then we'll end up doing it over and over again. Each time we do it, I believe we're tightening that connective tissue. And I actually believe that's why, you know, as we get older, we tend to shrink, right? We tend to get tighter and tighter because we think the same thoughts over and over again. We feel the same feelings over and over again, and it's just tightening that connective tissue down. And this all relates to trauma held within the body because we're not allowed to release it or we're not told to express our feelings. Um, we're told to store them within, um, then we hold them within. And I guess as children, uh, we're not really taught how to express those feelings. 
Um, we're quite quickly taught from an early age what's right, what's wrong, how to behave, how not to behave. You know, if potentially if a child is crying or a child is uh, in an argument, um, we're quite quickly there to, to shut that emotion down or shut that feeling down and tell that child to, to be quiet or to behave in a certain manner. So that feeling or emotion doesn't get expressed and therefore creates unreleased tension within the body. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I mean, one of my dad's favorite sayings was stop crying. Or I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> right. And that, you know, okay, I'm not supposed to be crying. And I, I really believe that all those tears that we never expressed in childhood are stored inside of us and they will come out if we go back down those memories and release it. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. I believe it's totally stored inside our physical bodies as disease. And this feeds into um, another part that I find quite interesting is that because of this tension within um, people's bodies, um, it, it, it's a telltale sign of people lying because they're not, or they're holding that tension within themselves. Um, whenever they speak words, it doesn't, um, the, the words come out, but it doesn't feel right. Or Is that correct? Or it doesn't seem right because the person is actually lying? You've mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, if someone is lying, they're not, there's as part of their body they don't want to feel, they don't want to see, right? Because underneath, right, a, a true self would not lie. So if we're going to lie, there's part of ourselves we are not comfortable looking at. So we aren't, aren't breathing into that part of us. So our voice is then going to come out differently. Yeah. Brilliant. Do you think that... Um this um lying or this 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 um way of looking at, at potentially lying um is something that um you could um potentially develop into some sort of technique to help people um spot i don't know to resolve some sort of crime in, in, in regards to looking at that way at people you know who who are lying because their, their voice doesn't match up with their the vibration does that make sense Possibly there are there are some machines out there that I think like work on your voice in terms of healing. I don't really know anything about it, but I, I suspect there would be a way of, of recognizing. Yeah. So um, this um, signal, I just want to talk briefly about the, the, the signal within your body. Um, you've got the, 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 the flow of thoughts um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, you have a, a strong signal and you have a weak signal. So what you're looking to do is change that strong signal. If that strong signal or that thought form is um, a negative thought form to the opposite one, which potentially is the one that you want to, to, to strengthen. Isn't that correct? Yeah. So it's like this, this would think, think of something that you want that you don't have yet right? There's, there's, we know we want it, right? But we, this part of us knows we don't have it. And there's some resistance in us to having it because if there was no resistance, we would already have it, right? So we've got a mixed signal if we're thinking about something we want, but we don't have it. So what we want to do if we, if we want to get that thing is we want to let go of that resistance that's inside of us, the resistance to where we are right now, right? Because we, we're not comfortable where we are right now if we want something different. And we want to let go of the resistance to the thing. 
And once we let go of the resistance to that thing, then when we, when we think about it, right? say it's a car or something that you want. If you think about that car and it only feels really good, there's no resistance there, then the, the energy flow is there. There's no resistance left in that energy flow. So that's, that's I think, what, what that part of the book is about. Okay, and that, that's obviously to do with law of attraction as well, and why positive thinking just doesn't work because you're not quite believing that because there's resistance to that thought, isn't it? So those yes. are saying those positive thoughts, you're not quite believing in because the signal within your body is resisting that. So if you have a I, strong, um, trying to think of an example, if you have a, um, if, if, if you truly believe, well, um, I, I'm going to be a millionaire, but the signal in your body does not believe that, then this is why positive thinking does not work. So you need to change that signal within your body. And that goes along with negative thoughts as well. So if you think I'm this happy, go lucky person, but the signal in your body, because of the trauma that you have endured, says no, I'm not this happy, go lucky person. I really am at heart quite miserable. Then these changes won't manifest into reality or into your physical being because of that signal so it's that signal that we need to change so could you talk us through how you would go about changing that signal how you go about lessening the um the strength of that and strengthening the opposite signal because you also talk about for each signal there's an opposite signal for each thought there's an opposite thought so we need to change the thought we need to change the signal yeah, so that this is comes back to finding our truth, right? So we can't always recognize it to begin with, but, but as we do more and more of this work, it becomes easier to recognize. There's also a chapter in my book that has a lot of questions that I ask where you can find out where your resistance is, right? So if I want, if I want a, a, a brand new car, but I don't think I can have it, or I can't afford it, that's what I want to pick up on. It's like, okay, I can't afford it. Then I could tap on that and accept that, let the resistance around that go, just accept it. So I, I can't afford a new car. I can't afford a new car. I can't afford a new car. I just tap through all those points over and over again until it just becomes words. Okay, I can't afford a new car, right? And then I find the next resistance. It's like, what's stopping me getting that new car? Is it because I don't have enough money in my bank account, right? The, the more details of what it is, why it is exactly, I can't have that new car and work through all of those, right? That, that diminishes that negative signal. At that point, if there's no resistance left, then I can start working on, I want a new car, right? I can think about it, but I'm thinking about it now from a pure signal because I've let go of the resistance. So the more I think about it and feel good as I'm thinking about it, I'm actually increasing that signal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I'm just looking here at um, the rest of your book and I just I guess we maybe covered this before but I wanted to um, just clarify this here where you just because I, I've talked about this before but I always like to get someone else's perspective on it and um, the different feelings because a lot of people aren't quite clear than that we talked about that briefly but I didn't quite elaborate on it um, and it's could you just I, say it again could yeah, you yeah. just say that again because you cut out for a moment absolutely the, the difference between emotions and feelings. I, I've done a podcast on feelings yourself and understanding your feelings and feeling that feeling. 
Um, but a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't understand what the differences between emotions and what feelings are. And I love your take on it. I would love just to get you to, to, um, to explain that for, for our watchers or for our viewers. Sure. And they're just words. And some people actually explain it, I think, the opposite to me. So, you know, they're just, they're just words, but the understanding matters. So to me, the emotions are the words that we use to describe a set of physical sensations. So those are the feelings. The feelings to me are the physical sensations. And we get taught to just use the words. We dissociate from those feelings and we use the word frustration or sadness or anger. So, right, that, that's more of a mental concept. It's just the word the, of the emotion. Whereas the feelings to me are the physical sensations, the feelings inside the body. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, because of these um, not understanding where our feelings are coming from, it's more than just understanding the feeling itself. It's understanding what part of the body am I feeling this feeling from and how that can affect different parts of the body. But you mentioned in your book that um, you were at your orthodontist um, and uh, your orthodontist was saying that you, you must have had tension. Um, in your jaw because you were getting migraine headaches. A lot of people wouldn't really relate that. They just go, well, I must have migraines. It must be my headache. I must have to take painkillers or whatever that. There must be something wrong with my head rather than understanding that the tension um, is actually coming from the jaw. And that's understanding where that feeling is within your body. Yeah. And, and we, the more you do this, right, it's go through the different, the expansion of awareness it becomes easier to pinpoint where that tension is coming from, right? To begin with, even on a physical level, like I might know that that tension is in my head, right? But as I become aware at deeper and deeper levels, I can actually pinpoint an exact place where that pain is coming from. So in some ways it's just, it's useful to have the knowledge that there is a place that it's coming from, even though you don't know it yet. So maybe I can share the story that I'd like to share yeah. about before COVID, where I had this group and we would meet, we would meet once a week. And at the beginning of the group, I, did I say this already? I'm kind of worried yeah. I said it already. You mentioned a little bit of it, but go ahead. I'm sure you have more to share. About the different levels of awareness. I did share it, didn't I? I can't remember. It's probably good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, so I would play the series of chimes and no, some people, okay. Okay. I would play the series of chimes and we would close our eyes and listen to the chimes. And then I would ask everyone to open their eyes and we would all share our experience. And some people would only hear the chimes with their ears which sounds normal, right? We all think, okay, we're just gonna hear it with our ears, but there were other people who would hear it with their ears and feel some of the sound vibrations in their body. But then on the other end of the spectrum, which is where I am now, is they could feel the sound vibrations throughout their bodies, deep inside their bodies, right? So there's a, a spectrum of experience, of awareness that we don't know exists, right? But now we do, now you're all hearing this, right? There are some people out there who only have that depth of experience with awareness where they can just hear 
sound vibrations. They can just hear the words someone is saying. But there are other people who can feel those words inside their body. They can feel more about what's happening. And we see that in society too, right? There are people who believe what they hear. They only hear the words, but there are other people who can sense more behind the words. They can sense if someone's telling the truth, if someone's hiding something, right? So that's, that's a, a huge depth of experience. And I don't even remember why I got onto this at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you asked something or you said something what was it you said do you remember i don't know it was um it was i can't, can't quite remember it was about the um oh it was no it wasn't i was going to say it was about the tension but it wasn't it must have been something else about that it must have been about the feelings or something I don't, I don't know i don't know was this a group that you ran yourself was this a group that you decided that you wanted to help other people based on the the knowledge that you had sure uh, accumulated and thought that, you know, I can do something with this here prior yeah, to- Yeah, this was a tapping group. Yeah, so we would we would all do our own tapping. Like we'd, we had lists of, um, you know, our, our buttons. One of the weeks we would work on our buttons and I would just set the timer for eight minutes. We would all tap on our own for eight minutes. Then we would share and then we would just do another eight minutes. So we're all working on our own issues, but we'd, we've got to focus time to do the tapping. Yeah. Was, was was this you? Did you um was this just a short group that wasn't um what I'm trying to understand? Was this something that you initiated? Was this the, the sound vibrations? Was this your idea to to set this up to, to do more than just tapping them? Yes, I'm not entirely sure why I did those sound vibrations. I think originally it was just a way to become present. But once I realized, once I realize the power of sharing this information right so so the people who now only they only can hear with their ears they now know there's somewhere they can go right this depth of awareness that they can aim for and the other people know that there are some people in society who don't have what's available to them so i think it provides understanding did you, did you ever find that any of those people who could only hear after understanding the others in the group who could feel, did you ever find um, or did it ever last long enough for those people to potentially go, oh, well, now that I know I can potentially develop this here and now after a period of time I can actually feel too or did it ever progress that far? I do have one or two people who can now feel inside occasionally. Yes, but they are working through. They're, they're doing the work. They're doing the tapping. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so I guess the next part that, that I'd um, mentioned in your body was, uh, mentioned in your body, mentioned in your book was, um, yeah, that's, that's just um, cleansing the jaw and stuff like that. Yeah, it was about awareness, but you just mentioned that, hadn't you? So... I guess the next part that I, I kind of highlighted in your book was, um, yeah, it's, it's about that voice. Uh, you mentioned about that voice in your head saying that um, something you don't want it to be saying um, when you're feeling, um, when you're reacting to someone or something, anytime you catch that voice in your head saying something you don't want it to be saying, do you remember that part in your book? Yeah, so we can tap on that. Yeah, it, and it, 
sometimes that voice is really quiet, right? But as you do this work more and more, the voice becomes louder. <laughs> There's less holding it back and you can recognize it more. And yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that you can tap right on those words, the exact words that that voice in your mind is saying, and it will diminish that voice. One of the things that I really liked that I got to do was I went to my brother. My brother became an alcoholic. He went more down the road of my parents and he died a few years ago. But before he died, I went to visit him in hospital and I tapped on him and I tapped on our childhood traumas, the ones we, we shared together. And it was really interesting. I think he kept, he kept those traumas in his mind closer to the surface than I ever did. So they were very available to him. So when we tapped, the, the next day he said they, they've kind of gone into the background. They kind of moved further away. So that was really interesting to hear him say that, right? So he, he felt things differently to me. And I think we all do. I think if he had done it, you know, if he had taken it up and wanted to do the work, then he could possibly have turned his life around. Right, okay. Um, yeah, quite tragic. Um, just, just more about that little voice in your head. And um, obviously I, I've talked about that too. Um, men have written a, written a blog post, have talked about that, about overcoming negative thinking and you know, just given um, techniques to, to deal with that. But I, I'm sure it's, a, it's, it's, it's that little voice that most people, if not all people here in their head, that as you turn around and say, says, I'm not good at that. I don't deserve that. I can't afford that. Um, and you're saying here that we, we need to tap that voice away so that it's not there anymore. What point uh, do you find or how long do you find that that would take or what do you think even that voice is? Do you think it's an ego kind of thing or do you think it's more trauma that we've held in our body? What would you say that little voice is? I think it's the programming, the programming that we've heard over in childhood from parents or teachers or friends anyone I think it's that programming we're just saying it we're just saying it or we've been told we're no good right so we'll say I'm no good whatever it is that voice it, I do believe it can go I'm sure it can go I know it can go right so if we can catch it and tap on it every time it comes up every time we notice it then eventually it will disappear brilliant just give me one second I've lost my <laughs> I've lost my page. So um, just moving forward then in the book. Um, let me just see now. I just had, I had made lots of notes um, <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm actually looking at it now. I can't actually find the half of them. Um, yeah, so if you, if you could just talk a little bit more um, on that idea of um, this voice and how you could release it and how you overcome that voice to um, developing your potential or strengthening that other part of it that says, I am good enough, that I am uh, capable of doing this here. Um, that's, I guess that's part of strengthening the signal again, isn't it? Strengthening the opposite. But well, you can, but it's also that those thoughts come to you. Once you let go of the negative thoughts, those thoughts come to you. 
And right. it's pretty amazing when it happens and it's really fun when it happens. So yeah, it's hard to believe, I know, um, until it actually happens. But yeah, if you let go of the negative, the positive will be there. I think it's just for a lot of people that probably oh, uh, would love something like that there because I think that these negative thoughts because we don't have techniques to save them, can quite quickly consume people. And as you say, end up having tragic consequences for, for the likes of your brother. And um, so it's just really interesting to hear you talk about that. And I'm sure that's something that a lot of people will, will um, be interested in. Um, but you also, um, I know I'm jumping ahead here slightly, but I know also that you, you also have a, a, another technique on top of that, um, which is developed from the I arms which I think I originated with Saint-Germain, and that is um, having a, a statement of affirmations or telling yourself with enough force that I am good enough, I am uh, I, I loved, I am a wealthy person, I am anything that you want to. So I just love to know right. what and you, you about that. And you can tap through that. So EFT is working on the negative. It doesn't matter what you're saying, it's always working on the negative, right? So even if you were saying, I am something positive, right? I am wealthy, I am beautiful, I am healthy. It's working on your resistance to that, yeah? So like we were saying with the signal earlier, if, if you're actually feeling I'm not healthy, right? I'm unhealthy or I'm sick, you wanna tap with that that it's more powerful to find the direct negative and tap on that first. But then once you've let go of that, you can tap on the I'm unhealthy and it will let go of the resistance you have to I am healthy. Okay. And so um, I'd like to talk about your, your idea of this, uh, this game of life that really ultimately at the end of the day, we should be looking at this here that just, it's just a big game. It's just a game that we're playing. You know, we don't have to take it seriously. We don't have to get caught up in the trauma, the, the drama of life. We should just be looking at it as a game and that helps release a lot of the tension, a lot of the, the um, fear and anger and stuff that we, that we build up in life. Yes, I, I do see it that way more and more as I as I go along. Once you realize that we are a signal, right? This is so this is how I think of the law of attraction, that the our whole being is a signal. And we are emitting that signal every second of every day. And we're attracting everything back to us based on our signal. So if we start to recognize what we're getting in life is just a replay from something we've we've emitted the signal we've emitted in the past, then we can look to see, okay, what is it I'm experiencing right now? And recognize that I've experienced this feeling before. Then we can let the feeling go. And then we can wait for, okay, what's happening next? What's next? Where's the next thing coming from? And once that comes to us, okay, what's that feeling, right? I've experienced it before, otherwise I wouldn't be experiencing it now. I can feel it, let it go. And then, you know, that's why at this point I will watch the news and say, okay, where's my trigger? Where's the next trigger, right? How can I get to more deeper awareness or deeper healing? And so, you know, I recognize it's, it's a game and I work with, we have, we're replaying feeling complexes is what I think. Feeling complexes of what we've experienced before. So 
if something's happening now that's got a lot of emotions involved around it, I can ask myself, what is this, what is this feeling remind me of? When's the first time I remember feeling this feeling? Because that memory will also be stored here. Otherwise, it won't come to mind, right? When I'm thinking, yeah. if, it's, if it's connected to this feeling, it will come to mind when I think, okay, what does it remind me of? Because it's stored in the same place in the body. Those memories are stored in our body. And I know that because when I put my focused awareness on places that have tension, a memory, a place memory will just pop into my mind and be gone. So I know they're stored with the tension. So yeah, it's, it, it does become fun when you start to think of it more as a game. You, you're less connected to those emotions. You can stand back from them and just watch them happen. I'm like a bystander then to, to show yeah. Yeah, there's a, quite a lot in your book and quite a lot of um, stages that you lay out, you know, stage one right up to, to through four to potentially developing this insight for yourself. And it's something that I'm keen to try and um, explore for myself to try and see if I can develop that insight myself. And as you mentioned, there are lots of tips and tricks and lots of phrases to look for. Um, one of the um, things that... Uh, you mentioned towards the end of the book is um, you developed this insight and obviously it had massive changes within your skull and your um, your eye sockets but you also talk about this pineal gland this third eye within the head and how because this is obviously a very spiritual um, uh, term the third eye your 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 inner sight your 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 um, your spiritual experiences and I obviously have my own experiences and my own kind of thoughts on that there, but reading your book and um, listening to, to you describe it is, is, is something that I'm not um, familiar with and something that I wouldn't have discussed myself. So I'd, I'd like you just to, to talk a bit about that there, about how you um, release the tension, release the, the bonds in place around your third eye and what you think that that has brought for you what sort of um, abilities or what sort of um, insights that awakening this third eye or this inner eye has um, or where you think it's located because as you turn around and say a lot of people think it's traditionally in the center of the the, the two eyes but I think the pineal gland is centered a bit behind that um, just in the brain there somewhere right it's the center it's in the center of the head yes and yeah, I mean, I believe that's what I'm using to sense inside, right? I'm I'm looking from somewhere and I know I'm looking from the center of my head, but I can't tell where my awareness is. I can't tell if it's in a gland or the only difference I can tell is the difference between bone and not bone because bone is so much denser. But I am seeing from somewhere in the center of my head because I can tell what's above it and what's behind it in front of it and below it. And I am sensing, I believe, through the connective tissue, right? So when I was first able to sense inside, it was, it was down below in my body and I could let go of one place attention and then my awareness would come back out of my body, right? So I think the, the third eye was, it was very tight, but I'd open up a little bit so that I could see in one particular place and then I would go back in and, and loosen up more tensions, which loosened it up a tiny bit more. And once I got into my head, which is so much closer to it, I can move to different orientations and let go of more bonds. So it's, 
I think I, I, I would love to see how the connective tissue is, is connected to the pineal gland. But I think there are many, many, many connections there. And everywhere that I've been releasing tension, I believe is also releasing the connection to the pineal gland or wherever it is that I'm sensing yeah, from. Yeah. You just uh, seem to use it in a very different um, manner than and I kind of maybe a lot of people would in the kind of spiritual community, psychics and mediums and stuff like that. They would obviously use it to um, see uh, visions or uh, potentially see auric fees and stuff like that. I've never heard anyone um, describe it in, the, in quite the manner you do, which is absolutely fascinating. The one thing that I, I that I can, um, but maybe not just the one thing, but um, one thing that did quite um, strike me, and one thing that I did kind of uh, latch on to, was that you described a burning sensation, and that seems to be quite common for people who are in the process of activating their third eye or or, or awakening their third eye, um, and a lot of people um, traditionally, you probably know this yourself, would. Um, uh, attribute that to the decalcification of the third eye, which is built up by fluoride intake. And I know that you have mentioned that you uh, have eliminated fluoride from from your 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 diet and from your your drinking and stuff like that. Just... Yeah, I'm not sure I ever had much fluoride in anything because I I've known for a long time not to do that, and I did use iodine for a while, so I did consciously try and decalcify it uh, quite a few years ago now yeah um, but I think a lot of people when they're talking about opening the third eye or, or using techniques to do that they're just focusing on this one place but in my experience you have to let the tension go throughout the body it's all connected and just working on one place just letting the tension go in one place is not freeing the soul because I, I believe what I'm doing is freeing the soul from its bonds. And once it's free, once it's, I believe once it's comfortable in this body, it's actually going to stay in this body. And I think using some of maybe those psychedelics, some of those substances people use to try and have an experience mm -hmm. through the third eye, I believe that that's actually making the soul so uncomfortable that it leaves the body for a while. So I kind of think those are two ends of the same stick, yeah. the comfortable soul and the uncomfortable soul. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it sounds, um, as I said, it, it's looking at a lot of the things that I mentioned to you before is, is kind of going, hmm, that's a different perspective on maybe some of the stuff that I'm used to or, or the techniques, but I can definitely find similarities. The way that you're saying there about, um, it's not just about concentrating on that, um, third eye or that um, indigo energy center or um, brow chakra, if you, if you like. Um, it's about the whole body and about allowing the whole body releasing the tension within the body. And that's, as I said to you, that's something that um, I would have, I've talked about in, in some previous podcasts about this idea of, of examining each chakra, each of the major seven chakras in your body for you would call it tension, um, I would call it um, blockages. So examining points of your body to find out what's stopping me in here, you know, what, what, what part of my body here, what does this represent that I have a problem with here and trying to understand it and resolve it and so that you can release that tension around that area. 
So it, it's just fascinating hearing your take on it. Um, but as I said, for me, it, it, it's, it's, it's related to your idea. It's about understanding what blockages that we have in these particular things, becoming aware of them, making peace with them, removing the tension within them so that we can potentially release the bonds or whatever that is, release this flow of energy up into that pineal gland to, to activate it for whatever purpose that, um, that we use. Um, I've just actually noticed that you, <laughs> you actually had a, a, a quote there from um, Hermes Trismegist, which is, which is very good. You also have um, a quote there from um, Matthew, um, which is attributed to Jesus. Um, this says, the light of the body is in the eye. Yeah, well, that goes back to me saying that I can see that underneath is light, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm sensing the light. And I, I think we're fully light underneath all the baggage that we have stored. Mm -hmm. and once we let go of it, we will be light. You think that this is what Jesus was referring to in that parable, this third eye? I suspect so. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant. Um, so I, I'm just looking at, at a few other things here. Um, mentioned the higher self and spirit that um, once we have this tension in our body, um, it blocks that spirit communication. Um, that because we have these negative thoughts within our thought pattern stored with intention in our body, um, then any spirit communication comes through perhaps as ego consciousness. Whereas if we believe that tension, uh, we believe those negative thought patterns, then it comes through as pure cons consciousness because we're then we're more in alignment with ourselves. We are not having a, a negative charge to, to, our, to our bodies. Could you talk a wee bit about that? Yeah, it you know, kind of goes back to the law of attraction. I think of us as the signal and that, that tension distorts our signal. So we can't, we can't tune in. We're not in harmony, full harmony with spirit if we've got some distortions to our signal. So we're not, we're not putting out a clear signal and we're not attracting back a perfect signal from spirit. So yeah, so as we release it more and more, we're releasing, I believe we're releasing our ego more and more. And yeah, then we become more in, in alignment with, with spirit. We tune in more. Yeah. Right, there's less resistance holding us back. It, it's a fascinating way of looking at it. I've never, I've never thought about that before. So that's why I find your book so, so um, very fascinating. Um, having experience of of doing psychic work and, and mediumship and um, being in large groups of people, I know that um, what holds a lot of people back from that is the tension within their body. It's the fear of failure. A lot of that is based um, on trust. A lot of it is based on having a sort of confident, um, not quite confident, but but allowing yourself to 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 sort of be fully in the moment. If that kind of makes sense, and to me, this this could be attributed to that. There were um, we have those negative thought patterns surrounding this. I can't do this. I'm afraid. What if I feel? Uh, maybe they laugh at me. I think it blocks that communication from coming through. So um, just the way you describe it was, was kind of fascinating for me as I know that these are a lot of things that hold people back from developing. And it doesn't even have to be mediumship, but even developing that communication with source or with God to listening to that voice within their head, um, especially when they're asked to, to maybe do it in a public format 
all those old negative thought patterns start to take over. And you're attributing this to obviously the tension held within our body. So it's a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating way of, of, of actually looking at it. And it's something that maybe I'll, I'll take myself and go off and, and, and potentially use. But um, yeah, absolutely uh, amazing um, book. Um, there's probably more in it that I could potentially fit in this in, in this um, in this book. I have so many um, points here, and I, I don't know if I'm going to fit them all in. Tell me um, if you don't mind. Um, I've, I've just highlighted the few words that you have mentioned, like response and. Um, Words that got responsibility. Um, can't find the other ones, but uh, react. Could you tell us a little bit about your your concept of those words? Because we just say them without really sort of breaking them down and going, well, what does this word actually mean? And you've actually done this in your book. You've taken some of these words, broke them down, and looked at how they could be impacting us. Yeah, I love I love to play with the words like that. But you're right because we use them and we're not aware of what we're saying. But yes, when we react to something, we are reacting. We are doing it again. Re means doing over again, an act that we have played before. So we're reacting something that we have reacted to before, and it, it's an ongoing process. We keep reacting. We emit that signal. We bring it back to us, and we react again. Yeah, and yeah, replay. Um, uh, yeah, I can't think of some of the other words right now, but the word dis-ease too. I yeah, mean, you had dis- uh, responsibility was another one of yours. Right, our ability to respond. Yeah, if we take full responsibility, then we are taking responsibility for our ability to respond. So we can change it right then in the moment. And that that changes, that changes our signal, it changes our future. Yeah. So, yeah. And become, I think, was, was the last one that I'd highlighted there. Become, right. Mm-hmm. Whatever we are being, we are sending that signal out and we're going to become. That's what we're going to become. It's going to come to us. And perhaps just finally here, um, you mentioned in your, your book as well that a lot of spiritual teachers um, often say things like, you know, you need to live in the present. Um you're not living in the present. The power is in the present moment. And you talk about something that, that I have touched upon and that I, that I speak about is that most people do not actually live within the present. They're too focused upon past events that have happened or future events. So they're completely missing out on the present or the presence. Could you give us your version of, of that there and what you talk about in the book? Yeah, um, this work brings you right into the present moment. <laughs> And the present moment is where our power is, right? Because when you think about the signal, right? If we change ourselves right now, we change our present signal, we are changing our future. Yeah, so that's, we, that's where our power is right now. We have that power to change. We can change our past right now, right? By looking at our past events and tapping on it and letting it go. That's changing our now, which is changing our future. So absolutely, our power is right now. But one of the ways to find our now that I've found really helpful, especially when someone's going through something, is just to describe what's happening right now. Right? So I'm sitting in a room that's got one blue wall, one pink wall, one, two purple walls and a green ceiling. And I'm sitting on a comfortable chair. I've got a microphone in front of me. I've got headphones on. 
I'm talking to you, right? Just describing the present moment will bring you into the present moment. So you can do that when you're driving in a car, right? You can describe what you're seeing as you go, which brings you right into the present moment. And that's then when your parrot is. Yeah, I think it, a lot of people um, are looking to the future and I hope this is going to be okay. I hope, you know, looking to the future and wish fulfilling instead of realizing that it's actually the present that creates the future. And it's your vibration that you're and your thought patterns that you're currently thinking now and living in the present that will create that positive um, outcomes for you in the future. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. But the key thing about that is not to suppress it. Yeah. Right. We don't want to suppress it. We don't want to try and think the positive because we're afraid of what we're thinking right now. We actually want to accept what we're thinking and feeling right now which shape which changes it right it's a subtle difference but once you once you really get it um it's so important yeah you, you're absolutely right maybe we should have touched upon that earlier but it's it's this idea that we shouldn't suppress those negative emotions if you're feeling hate you know we're told that we shouldn't feel those emotions to, to, to shunt them away but that's actually not helpful we should be allowing that hate to, to, to come into us and examine it and feel it and deal with it the same with anger and frustration isn't that what you're you're saying there it's hard absolutely yeah i'd much rather have those feelings out of my body than have them stored inside so yes if i'm if i'm hating something i want to tap on that and i want to feel what that hatred feels like in my body and allow that stuck energy it's just stuck energy to allow it to pass through yeah brilliant and obviously then feeding into that there is your idea of forgiveness. Um, my last podcast, which was a converted blog post, which was based around the concept of forgiveness um, because I had a, uh, I suffered a hijacking and I think everyone that I encountered um, had an opinion on the person, the persons involved, you know, that they had a lot of negative emotions towards them. And for me, I felt actually nothing. I felt nothing but forgiveness because I think we're not really going to get into it here, but it's this idea of having this expanded awareness due to um, an active third eye of seeing these other viewpoints. And for me, it was kind of looking back over that person's shoulder and looking back along that person's life path to potentially understanding what has led that person from when they were a child up to the point where they need to feel, feel the need to commit an act like that. So potentially understanding, you know, what could have caused that person to be like that? What external factors are there? Are there any other viewpoints rather than this narrow-minded viewpoint of that person done something wrong, so that person should face X, Y, and Z? So as I said, it fed into my concept of forgiveness. And I know that you have talked a, um, a bit about that in your book. Could you give us a little bit on forgiveness? Sure. Um, I forgiveness is really important and I really feel like once you can think of somebody with no emotions arising then you have forgiven them right if you can see them again right if you could see this person again now and nothing arose in you that would be forgiveness in my mind because then you're at peace right then your signals your, your signal around them is at peace you're attracting peace back into your life so to get to forgiveness I mean if 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 someone did not have the awareness that you had, right, that would be something to tap through, tap through the whole event over and over and air tap, 
on the person and tell them exactly what you think or what you thought or whatever you want to tell them, but to, to talk it out so that it's out of your body. Yeah, and then do it over. That's the key is actually doing it over and over again, right? Until there's nothing left. And then we're relaxed on the inside, right? The signal that we're emitting is one apiece and that's changing our future. Brilliant, brilliant. There's so many good things in your book. As I said, I've been through it all and I, I've noted so many of them. So many of them that, I, as I said, I can relate to perhaps just on a different perspective. And it's, it, it, it really is amazing. I can't really recommend it um, enough. You um, also mentioned that um, food, drink and clothing can also play a part in your, your journey too. Could you talk a little about, about that? Because I also would talk a bit about food and drink, the, the food that you consume, the liquids that you, you drink and the clothing that you wear. Right, it's, I, the whole of us is a signal, right? It's not just, I think the biggest part of the signal is the tension that we hold on the inside, but it's also our shape, our size, the clothes we wear, our hair, everything about us is the signal and we attract back from other people and into our future based on that signal. So it's going, it's a part of everything, right? The food that we eat is a part of it. So we're, if we're eating really junky food, then that's, that's a part of us and that's a part of our signal. So to me, it's important to eat food that feels good to you, right? So I might eat some things that other people think are not good to eat, but if I am at full peace with it and it is beneficial food, then that becomes a part of my signal. And if I'm, you know, if I'm wearing something that feels good to me, I love colors. I absolutely love the color blue. I feel so comfortable in blue and I pretty much only wear blue these days. <laughs> because I feel totally at peace with blue. Now, if I put something on that was perhaps orange or something, I wouldn't feel comfortable. My signal would not then be one of comfort or peace. And so that would change my, my future. So it's important for me to find what feels peaceful and um, beneficial, right? So that my signal is going to be the best it can be. Brilliant. It, it, it's so simple when it's laid out like that, but yet so many people don't actually think about things like that. They're all about perhaps the raising ahead to doing things like that. And these are things that anyone can do right now to help change their signal, to help change their vibration, choosing to wear clothes that are potentially not um, pretty or nice looking, but you actually just feel comfortable so that you're relaxed within your body, eating food that feels right rather than potentially junk food that's potentially going to sit in your body and cause bad feelings because of the physical sensations. Um, just yeah. fantastic. I love, I love to eat. I love dark chocolate. I really love dark chocolate. It tastes so sublime to me, right? But I, if I didn't think that that was good, if I thought that was a bad thing to eat and I ate it every day, that's a mixed signal, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the signal I'm emitting and I'm getting back that mixed signal. So if I can let go of any resistance I have, and I believe it's the food of the gods and it's, it tastes so good and it's good for me, if I have that, that clear belief, then it's totally fine that I eat dark chocolate. Brilliant, yes. And another thing that I picked up on is, is like me, you don't wear sunglasses and probably don't use a sun visor. 
I do sometimes wear a sun visor, but yes, I don't, I don't wear sunglasses. But there was a time that my, I had so much tension stored in my body. I was, I was really toxic for many years and I couldn't go outside without sunglasses. So that's something that's cleared out as my body's cleared out as the tension has released. I, yeah, I don't need to wear sunglasses. For me, well, the reason why I don't wear sunglasses is because it blocks out the sunlight, which is obviously, as, as you've mentioned in your book there too, that you believe, and I, I have read this before and I've talked about it before, it's so beneficial to the pineal gland, um, potentially helping to unblock that spiritual energy, the energy that's up there, but also to, to boost the, the serotonin and the melatonin within the, within the thing. So that's just the reason why I don't... Um, sunglasses but it was just interesting to, to hear you but I, I think we've reached pretty much the the end of your book of I've pretty much been through it all and um as I said it's just absolutely fascinating I could talk all night about it and throw different concepts around but we need to end this podcast somewhere so I'd just like to end off and is there some sort of statement that you could sum up um is there some sort of advice um, especially in this current world that we face in 2022 which is so divided with people that people are just so divided and it's really not helpful and um, because people are just failing to see the the, the opposite view and um, so I'm wondering is there some sort of piece of advice based on what you have learned the techniques that you've developed that um, you could potentially offer people who are listening to this podcast or watching it that um, could be developed help, helpful for them if they're they're kind of stuck and don't know which way to, to move forward just just in this world today but also kind of going forward in life in general sure so realizing that our power is in the moment and our power is in those feelings so even with all these things that we are divided about we have emotions around them so we might not think we have we can control them in any way but the way we can take control of that is, or take responsibility for that is to work on how we feel, right? Because we have feelings around the other side, right? Maybe we really hate the other side. We hate what they're doing or we don't agree with them. Whatever those feelings or those words we would use for the other side, we can tap on those. We can let that emotion go because when we let it go, we can come together in peace, right? Because we feel peaceful, then we attract peace into our future. So we can always take responsibility. Our part in any equation is how we feel about it. And we can work with those feelings and let them go. Brilliant, absolutely fantastic. Well, Anne, I cannot thank you enough. It has been an absolute pleasure. You're such a fascinating person. Um, and I could talk for hours with you and I would love to have you on if you agree at some other stage to perhaps even talk about some of the stuff that we didn't get talked about or whatever else you'd like to talk about. I'm sure um, the watchers and the listeners have really enjoyed you. I've enjoyed it. Um, I'll post links um, to your book, to your website. Um, please, people, get this book. It is so beneficial. There are so many good techniques in it. Um, whether you're starting off on your journey of healing, whether or not you are some way through it, even if you're potentially like me who um, has their own techniques and, and advice, there's so much in this book that can help um, you that you potentially would not have have, um, have thought of before. And I, I can't thank you enough, Anne. It has thank been, you. It's been great. 